Hi, this is Sophie, Simon and Ben from That Final Scene. Yeah, we just want to give a quick shout out to our friends at Amazon Music where you can find this very podcast. So, let's dive in, shall we? I said it before and I'll say it again. That scene, that last scene. What does it mean? I'm the dude, you know? Get the fuck out of here. No, I cannot. That final scene starts now. Hi friends, we're back with another episode of the That Final Scene. My name is Sophie and I'm your host for the next hour. I am joined by Ben and Simon. Hello. Hello. Yo. Yeah. Ambitious saying for the next hour. We have a track record of going over, but we'll try and keep it tight. I mean, thank God we have Simon who can keep us in line with yeah. his editing skills. It's a lot of work. <laughs> who, can, who can speed me up to a million miles an hour to get all the Lord of the Rings. Shut out of the way. Six and a half hours later. Two years time when the next season comes out, because that's what's going to be. They're not going to start filming until next summer. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Yeah, good. Yeah. I've been trying to, I, like, I'm actually trying, I've been, I've like, making an effort to be, like, watching more movies now before we came to chat about and I have one in particular that I'll get onto in a minute how's that going are you actually watching more films yeah no I am trying to watch new ones I hate watched one this week which was great um, are you gonna tell us or are you people are waiting well are we, go, oh. are we go already oh, yeah, going yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what we're watching so I watched Morbius this week oh. Morbius the living vampire with the lovely um, Jared Leto in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. honest to god it's so boring it's so horrendously dull as like Simon so, just to give you a brief explainer. Wait, how do you know that I haven't seen it? It's a Marvel. It's, it's, a, Mar- it's a Marvel movie with Jared Leto in it as yeah. a vampire. Yeah, he's yeah he's, he's done, done everything now. He's done. Has he done DC? Yes, yeah, he has done DC. Course, so he's Joker. been the Joker in DC, and he's been Morbius now in um in Sony's extended Marvel universe, and it's one of the dullest films I think I've ever seen. Like for a film that like you know is supposed to be, it should be interesting. You know, there's like elements of Marvel in it. But it's just so boring. Matt Smith's great, no? Matt Smith's on a bit of a roll at the minute. You know, he's, he's going g- full on camp in yeah. that film. He's just like, let's let's have some he's fun. He's channeling Moriarty from the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock, yeah. and it's quite like, yeah, I'm just like, listen, like balls out fun. You know, we're gonna we're just gonna have a bit of a laugh. But Mike, it's just it's so dull. You know how some films they're so bad they're good. It's not even that, it's just bad. It's most of my repertoire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is just so bad, it's bad. It's just so dull. And like the CGI is really crappy. I feel like you might get annoyed with me this time, but like for a superhero movie, it's got a very simplistic plot of like, <laughs> you know, man who's sick finds cure, won't give to best friend. I think there are two things that make it even worse. So one, the fact that you released the vampire film in 2021 feels like very, like, I don't. I feel like vampires had their time probably around <laughs> Twilight. Which, well, well, when did when did that Bram Stoker Dracula one come out? You know, the Francis Ford Coppola film. Yeah. That's when vampires had their time. Yeah, they had their time like in a zombies while. had their time. Well, maybe they're like, doing a bit of comeback. But, like, but like you, one vamp- of your favorite films is a vampire film. One of my favorite films is yeah, vampire film. the one with the the naughty vampires that all hang out in the house and they're really oh, funny. What we do in the shadows. Yeah, yeah what we do in the shadows is, is different. Though. But it's like yeah, probably it came out around this. I don't know, the prime time of vampires. And now it's like 2021, no one watched Wait, when was prime vampire time? I would say late 90s to early nuts, maybe. Uh, Probably. That's like prime time Mm. of vampires. So there's that. And two... I mean, I'm sure you know this, Ben, but it actually took them, what, five years to release Morbius? Yeah, because they kept it was, delaying yeah. it, didn't they? Yeah, it was shot pre-pandemic and then because Couldn't of... Couldn't shoot co- at night. Yeah, so the fact that... Lul. <laughs> 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 I, I do feel like you can make it a fun movie 
experience with people. Like I can see this being like a, like a drinking like, game. Like, yeah, like a meme. Um, mm. watch in a what way what would the drinking thing be every time Jared Leto talks it, he has a little uh, like a dictaphone that he documents all of his scientific progress <laughs> every time Jared Leto talks into that stupid fucking dictaphone <laughs> <laughs> yeah, prob- you, yeah. you have to drink a whole bottle of whiskey just to get through it My probably God. that's the one and then basically it flopped uh, big time in the box office and then there was this like very small group of people that wanted to bring it back to the cinema it was the equivalent of like a meme stock. Like, you know how AMC and like GameStop were like a thing for oh, like yes. a month. Oh, I see. Yeah, so yeah. I think Morbius was like the equivalent of that in this movie where world. Got, got like where trolls. you had like, yeah, yeah. Where you had like a small group of people like really, uh, you know, going for it. And they somehow convinced Sony Pictures to get it back in the cinema. And they put it out. They actually put it out. They put it back. And in an entire weekend, I think it made like 80K. <laughs> 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 Like what, so Sony got conned into putting yeah, it back on. That's amazing. I think they made eighty three k. But yeah, I thought Morbius was absolutely terrible. So then I watched John Wick to soothe things over because I just think John Wick's the great. The first one and the trailer. Yeah, the first one because the trailer came out for uh, the fourth one. So that kind of reminded me of that, and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the first reactions John Wick for the trailer. Weirdly, I thought I'd be I'd be like all on board for it, and then there's like a horse chasing the desert where he's shooting at people which is like <laughs> they, they, yeah, like they're just they're going for they're, like every movie just gets crazier and crazier I'll, but I'll definitely see it I'll definitely see it I yeah. mean Keanu Reeves is just great and he's just on a roll at the minute but imagine mm. having that sequence in the in the next I mean you're not because we have a trailer but like in a Mission Impossible what would you think of that because I feel, I feel like, like they Impossible also get crazy the same way, yeah. Well, I mean, Mission Impossible had the one has has the one of the trail of driving the train off the bridge. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like, you know. ridiculous. How do you think it will compare to the Lake House? Because <laughs> that's my benchmark. <laughs> that's your benchmark for Reeves. <laughs> Just for movies in general. <laughs> not none of the, not Speed or Speed Two. Mm, no, the Lake House. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the John Wick movies? No. Okay. Okay. They're very good. Uh, John Wick's a great, like, hungover action movie. Like, uh, it, it's like it's kind of like R-rated Mission Impossible in that way. It's like it kind of falls into that, like, just like turn your brain off action movie. Basically, the premise of the first John Wick can be summed up as man's wife dies, his dog is killed, he gets angry. And it's just uh, Ian McShane's in it. Um, what? From Lovejoy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. Ian, McShane, in the first, Ian McShane's in it. Uh, Willem Dafoe's in I it. I love Ian McShane. Um, the, uh, uh, Alfie Allen's in it. Like, it's just, a, it's oh, just yeah. a kind of a mad... Uh, Lily Allen's brother. Um, and yeah, it's just great. And it's short. It's very short. It's what, like, are we talking? 1.5 oh, hours? I think, I think we're talking like 90 minutes most. Oh. So. Your face, Simon. <laughs> Optimal length. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, so John Wick kind of brought me back to a, a good cinema plane. And I've been watching Industry as well, which I think Ooh, Simon, you which, talked about. Which um, series? Me and my girlfriend finished the first season and then started watching the, have started watching the second one. Have you um, found it? It's interesting. Yeah, it's good. I like it. I mean, I understand nothing of what they're saying. They just keep talking about numbers and stocks and shares. And I'm just like, I kind of sit there like glazed over. But I think it's quite good. It's mm. quite interesting. What about you, Sai? What have you been watching? I watched quite a delightful Disney film yeah. called Luca. Oh, oh, I love Luca, seen it? yeah, I love Luca. Really enjoyed it, it's really yeah. cool. We do not go anywhere near the surface. Got it? Everything good is above the surface. Two sea monster children live under the sea and they have to go onto shore. Is that the one with Chris, is Chris Pratt in that one? No, I'm thinking of a different one. It's animated, dude. Yeah. Well, I know that. <laughs> I don't remember I don't his voice. voice as well. <laughs> yeah, I think I would be very annoyed if I, if I heard his voice. We're getting to that time of year now around Christmas where it's just going to be... 
Pixar movies on the, telly. Are the, are the all ones the time. due out now? I don't know if there's anything due out soon. Um, I will say the one that I watched, I think it was, well, no, it wasn't last Christmas, the Christmas before. And pretty much had to make sure I watched it on my own because I cried pretty much solidly for the last 20 minutes is Coco. Not, mm. what's that? Oh my God, not, Coco's not brilliant. It's about, it's about, um, it's kind of like about a little boy in Mexico who goes into like the land of the dead. I think it's to find, I can't remember who it is. I think it's like to find his, his granddad or something like that. And it's all through, like it's all done through like music and stuff. Oh, cool. And I cried consistently, I would say for the last 20 minutes of the film. Like it is, you, you know, when you're just sitting there like trying not to cry and then it's just, it there's just no point. What about you, Sophie? What have you been watching? Honestly, you guys, I've been obsessed. Like I've been obsessed with British TV at the moment. I'm kind of riding the British wave. I am watching a reality show, but that is the, the Crown, the Bake Off. <laughs> <laughs> so that is bake the Bake Off. Yeah, I'm watching the Bake Off. Like I haven't missed the season in five years, so I caught up now do you because bake, I was do running you do a behind. Yes, and I failed. Really? Literally the other day, I I watched a couple of episodes, got inspired, and then I made a cake which tasted like crap, and I literally threw the whole thing in the <laughs> in the bin next to you. <laughs> is it in there now? No, 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 it's in town. But um, some of them are good, but this one was a total disaster. I think is I, it still the guy from the Mighty Boosh presenting it? Yeah. yeah, still, still Noel and Matt Lucas. Yeah, it's just one of those shows that they're just really they just like feel good. There's no drama, and it just oh, I, there's definitely drama in Bake Off every now and again. Remember, yeah, fri- remember fridge? Guess. Was it Fridge Gate where the person like took the other person's cake out of the fridge uh, and yeah. everybody went mad? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> but it's kind of it's kind of rare, and I like the idea. Of, I was um, telling a friend of mine that I don't feel like watching any drama or like serious movies right now. I mean, this like I feel like I'm going through this phase where I just want like things that bring me joy, like movies that make me laugh, or just kind of. Easy to watch. I would say then don't watch I'm a Celebrity then because every time I, I'm watching it and every time I watch it, I just get violently angry that Matt Hancock's on television. <laughs> okay, so I'm probably going to skip that for yeah, now. Skip Even it. though, like, Wait every- until he's been voted out, it- then you're good. Right, okay, yeah, because I feel like everyone's talking about it right now and I'm just kind of having a FOMO moment. But May I recommend dipping into some of Ian McShane's back catalogue? <laughs> no. He did quite Deadwood. an exquisite series called Lovejoy in the 80s and 90s. That my mum and dad used to watch. What, where can I watch <laughs> he that? He plays a sexy antiques dealer. Sold. There's always some hijinks, there's some dodgy deals, and a happy ending every time. Uh, so where can I watch that? Uh, Britbox <laughs> plus four. Oh, yeah, Britbox. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I got an ad for Britbox the other day. I was like, I've forgotten that was a thing. So there's that. I started watching the you know, season five of The Crown. I haven't started up. watching it yet. I want to though. So Is that the up? new one? Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah. So that's so we have Dominique West, Elizabeth uh, Debicki, Diana, who's Amelda Staunton's the Queen. Yes, Johnny Lee Miller. I think is John Johnny Major. Lee Miller. Yeah, yeah. he's hmm. the president. I feel like this is my least favorite, you know, season so far. It's kind of. I feel like there are a lot of uh, side like storylines that I don't know whether. I should know about my as th- a non-British person. But my theory is that history is much easier to cover when it's further back in, in history. We're up to the 90s is, now, Yeah, this is contemporary it, yeah. history where lots of the people are still around, they're still alive. It's much harder to write about stuff where 
you know, friends of friends know them and things like mm. that. Yeah, so that's true. And I, I, I feel like this season so far is the, is the least queen-centric, so you barely get Well, this is queen. like, I mean, they've even, in, in all the marketing, they've been building it up as like a very Diana-centric season. It's very Diana-centric. I'm probably getting like a bit of Diana fatigue in a way because I did, <laughs> no, because I did what Spencer like a year ago with Kristen Stewart. No, I didn't bother with that. And okay, here's my hot take. Even though I love the Bikis Diana, okay. as in her voice, I actually don't love her acting so far. I feel like she's overacting a bit too much. Well, I felt Same. the younger version of Diana, I don't remember the actress. Emma Caron as well. Oh, there Karen. you go. Okay. Um, I thought she was really good. I'm not fully convinced with Elizabeth the Bikis Diana. Okay. Dominique West is incredible. Like, he's actually. Like very very different, and I didn't expect that. I thought he was he was gonna show up and be Dominic West, but he's really good. This is gonna hurt. But my actual recommendation for the week this is, is BBC. This is going to hurt. Oh you yeah, this is going yeah. to hurt. Brilliant. Yeah. I hadn't yeah I hadn't watched it until now. Have you heard of it, Simon? Yes. Yeah. Have you seen it as well? No. It's, it's very worth good. it. Yeah. It's really really good. So this doctor has written Adam Kay. Yeah. Yeah. So he. I don't know when he actually wrote the book. I'm so guessing. So the book's he, not. No. So the book's not that old. I don't think the book's yeah, only about not, five, four or five years old, maybe. Yeah. It's slightly based around the book. I think there's certain things in it that, like, I haven't read the book, but um, my girlfriend's read the book, and she was saying there's certain stuff in it that, like, is you recognize bits and pieces, but then yeah. it's a bit more dramatized as well to yes. like give the full sense of it. Yeah. But it is somewhat shocking. Yeah. So it's interesting. So if the if the book is not that old, it means. Got commissioned right away for a show. Almost, yeah, very yeah. quick. I mean, the book was really popular, very yeah. quick. and he's already written two other books as well. Yeah, so he's written one around Christmas, and then there's another one that's just come out as well. He was the junior doctor at the time yeah. of GYN. It does tell it from an NHS point of view, and I, I like the fact that you don't just get the doctor standpoint, you get the nurse standpoint, you get the you know front of desk, you know. POV. So yeah, some it's of the peripheral kind of characters in it are brilliant. Yeah, they're even stronger than. You know his character. Yeah, sure. this, yeah. dude, he's brilliant, and it's quite funny. You know, I, I, this is what I like best. It's not like yeah. full on sad piano. You know, and it says like I like the fact that it, it was quite real. Yeah, like painfully yeah. funny. Very good, like dark humor. Yeah, yeah. No, it is very. And Ben Wishaw was like hilarious. So in it. Yeah. good. I feel like he needs an Oscar. Like he's so under. Like from my from the top British actors, he's one of my favorites in yeah. terms of like how versatile he's. Cool. Uh, anything else that you want to recommend or highlight, uh, complain about, vent? No. No, I don't think so. No? I don't okay. have much to vent about this week, which is nice. Okay. No, no more rings no, of power. Um, <laughs> I'm much more positive. No Ventius Maximus. No, exactly. Yeah. And it's because it's, uh, listen, it's, all, it's almost World Cup time, you know, I'm getting oh, into that yeah. positive oh, World Cup well, vibe. You'll, vent, though, you'll you know. vent about that probably. No, the World Cup's not permeated. This is, this is a movie podcast. It's not getting in here. Don't any worry. movies that tie back to the World Cup that we should maybe watch? Mm. Uh, Netflix have just released a FIFA documentary detailing how terrible <gasps> FIFA is. I've seen. Which like, looks I, like, interesting. I've, yeah. Do you think it's good? Um, like, have you seen that? I, haven't, I, I, I want to watch it, but um, yeah, I mean. The timing is interesting. It's perfect timing. I yeah. mean, it'll be grim and depressing. I, do, I, I really want to watch the Dan documentary that Mogwai did the sound for, soundtrack for, which I feel like, Simon, you'd be interested in. Or get into Joe Lightett's new campaign called uh, Bender Like Beckham. I don't know if you've seen it, but on his Instagram, he put up a video basically imploring David Beckham to give up his sponsorship. This is a message to David Beckham. I consider you, along with Kim Woodburn and Monty Don, to be a gay icon. 
You were the first Premiership footballer to do shoots with gay magazines like Attitude, to speak openly about your gay fans, and you married a Spice Girl, which is the gayest thing a human being can do. But now it's 2022, and you've signed a reported £10 million deal with Qatar to be their ambassador during the FIFA World Cup. Qatar was voted as one of the worst places in the world to be gay. Homosexuality is illegal, punishable by imprisonment, and if you're Muslim, possibly even death. You've always talked about the power of football as a force for good, which suggests to me that you've never seen West Brom. But generally, I agree. So with that in mind, I'm giving you a choice. If you end your relationship with Qatar, I'll donate this 10 grand of my own money, that's a grand for every million you're reportedly getting, to charities that support queer people in football. However, if you do not, at midday next Sunday, I will throw this money into a shredder just before the opening ceremony of the World Cup and stream it live on a website I've registered called benderslikebeckham.com. Not just the money, but also your status as a gay icon will be shredded. You'll be forcing me to commit a crime. Although even then, I reckon I'll get off more likely than I would if I got caught whacking off a lad in Doha. The choice is yours. I look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, watch Bend It Like Beckham and then go to benderslikebeckham.com to see what happens to Joe Loisa. <laughs> and what's a Disney Plus series that he's in? Beckham. Oh, yeah, Beckham's just, yeah, he's, he's back like now, a, yeah. He's back after the Beckham. queue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't actually watched. Save I think I don't something? know if that's it. Yeah, it's yeah. called like Save My Club or Save something like your, that. You're in my club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a very exclusive What's his club, accent? Yeah. Beckham's. Yeah, where is he's he He's like from? East London, isn't he? He's like oh, he's yeah, a bit Essexy, a bit East. Yeah, okay. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> What's this? It's a movie. No. No, I liked it. No. Can I say something? No. I don't get it. What don't you get about it? I know we're talking about Black Panther today. and. Yeah. When the film came out, there was a, there were a lot of um, conversations around Killmonger, the villain of the film, played by Michael B. Jordan, and how he kind of had a point mm. and how he made sense. And he was a villain not for the sake of being a villain, like wanting to destroy the world or whatever, but he had a more like non self like less self absorbed motivation for doing what he did. So. Ben had a great idea of actually asking uh, you guys, na- like naming one villain that was kind of right all along, that had a motive that made sense. So the the prompt was name one villain that was right all along. And yeah, you guys love that prompt. 90% of the response are like Marvel and like comic book related yeah. uh, villains. But I think you have the floor for the 10%. Well, Ed Rooney came up. There you go. From Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who, and Ferris Bueller is a massive Belen. So Ed Rooney <laughs> yeah. is definitely yeah. right. He's <laughs> the elephant in the room about Ferris yeah. Bueller. That he's a Belen, yeah. Um, so I agree with that wholeheartedly. Good. It works in comedies, doesn't it? Because often the comedic hero is a bit of a dick. Yeah. But you love them because well, in, way, in, in, in comedies, the 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 villain is always like the man, and like the villain is like the system, and it's yes. like yeah, but he's just your principal. He's trying to make yeah. sure you're in school. Like, and the problem is with teachers is is like at the end of the day, a teacher's like best interest will be unless you're Greg Davies from The Inbetweeners. <laughs> you know, it should be best <laughs> I interest. Actually, I remember heart. watching that film as a kid. I don't know if this makes me like a goody two shoes, but I remember at one point feeling really sorry for Ed Rooney. You know the bit. <laughs> you know the bit when he's trying to escape from the house and his shoe gets stuck in a drain. 
and it gets all muddy yeah. and then the dog gets it and he gets wood and then at the end you see him like running down the road trying to catch the bus or whatever yeah oh, I felt really bad for him I have to say I think Ed, Ed Rooney also leads to one of the best kind of Simpsons parodies where it's basically Bart pulls a Ferris Bueller and he's being chased by Skinner but they cross him with like the bad guy from Terminator 2 <laughs> so Skinner is basically like this unstoppable machine that's going to find Bart no matter what the cost it's a brilliant bit where like Bart gets across a river cuts the rope bridge and Skinner just walks through the river and then comes out the other side it's absolutely brilliant amazing yeah no I love that and um I think the most realistic one we got is Jaws it's his home. Get out of the water. That's the most justifiable, <laughs> as in, yeah, what are you doing? You know, it, it is the, like, yeah, listen, maybe shouldn't have eaten all those people. Right. But he's just a shark. You're in the water. It's his home. You're no need to blow him up with a big gas canister. And someone did say Sauron, which I mean, Simon will help me bring up Lord of the Rings. Feel free to speed me up here, but saying he just wanted his boys to live somewhere nice in the West, which who is, is this sour? Which is a very, person? which is a very blase way of looking at sour. You know, sour I feel like if indeed we he ever, is. Yeah, I believe I believe we ever create like a highlight reel or like a sizzle of our podcast. This would go to like who is sour? Yeah, in music, the one genre that I've never been able to get on board with is opera, and I feel like mm. perhaps Same. The Hobbit. Or Lord of the Rings is a bit like it's an opera. Movie opera. <laughs> interesting, yeah. Interesting. It's That's your, my it's your analogy. Version, it's your version of opera. Maybe. Yeah, I like that. But I'm. But I haven't said that. I've not watched it properly, so I need to sit down oh, and like give we, it the time yeah. of day. We we need to find like. I need um, to sit next to you guys while I watch it, and then you, I can ask you questions all the time. And you can tell me what's going on. We need to find your breakthrough Elven film. That's what mm. we need to find. Yeah. Well, I did love Willow. Okay, that's quite. Mm. Which they're they're remaking now, aren't they? Willow mm, isn't Willow's yeah. coming out next fact, year. Willow really terrified me at school because really? it was one of those rainy day films at school. You know, when like something got rained off or like oh yeah, something like unexpected, sports, like a sports day gets rained yeah, off. Yeah, you, you watch sit a movie. in the hall and they'd get the TV. Mm. Do you remember the TV on wheels? They'd get yes. out with the video thing. Yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people brought up Thanos, which is. Which I feel like Thanos is like the one from the Marvel movies who wants to like wipe out half of the universe. Have you not seen the, the Infinity War films? No. Thanos, like there's a lot, I feel like that's a kind of a common trope for baddies of like, I'm doing this to protect the planet. I'm going to kill half humanity. And I'm like, ah, it doesn't really, that doesn't. Furious. I, yeah. Yeah. And I have a feeling a lot of people said Thanos because of his origin trauma story as a kid. You remember that? Where mm. you, I feel like that's what kind of made him more. What radicalized Thanos? I mean, it's a long story, but... I, yeah, I, so there's about 20 movies worth of that story. Yes, yeah, probably <laughs> not good, but I feel like that was In rare. a nutshell. I can't do that in a nutshell. Can you, can you, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't even want to try and sum up that mountain top. But I feel like it, it goes back to our conversation a few episodes back when we were talking about how Disney is kind of obsessed these days to add some sort of trauma origin story to its villains, that it did that with uh, Maleficent and with Cruella, where a villain can't just be a villain. Like, they have had to, I don't know, you, you give them sort of trauma story. They were abused as a child mm. or they were neglected or they were, I don't know, like taken away from their parents. And now that gives them the right to go and destroy, yeah, half the population. And I don't like that. Like, I, I love the Joker because he doesn't have an origin story because he's just, like, lunatic in a way. Um, Magneto, I don't agree with that one because I feel like there was a comment where someone says, sure, his ways are extreme, but he just wants to protect his mutant fraternity. But 
Yeah, that's like saying, oh yeah, Hitler also had them. Like he just wanted to protect his own race. Like, Oof, let's not go there. <laughs> uh, no, but I. But if you think about the Magneto, well, he wanted to protect. Like he thought, yeah, his that magnets. mutants were the superior race, and therefore he wanted to destroy all humans because of that. Mm. Like I thought he had that point of like I don't really like I really don't like Magneto's like I don't know, why. but that's just me. The like Professor Snape is my favorite one. I think he's very much a villain until like. Film four, fair, fair enough. Or five. When was the reveal about his or? But uh, that's half blood prince, isn't it? Which yes, is uh, which is five. Yeah. I think. Yes, I think up until that point, everyone hated him mm. because he was being a bully and quite evil. Like he was portrayed in a very one-sided sort of way, and then book five like movie five you had the reveal but it's Alan Rickman like he can do whatever he wants but it's Alan Rickman you're right there's um, an origin story I want to see Hans Gruber give me more of him <laughs> Nakatomi Towers <laughs> Nakatomi Plaza yeah Mr. Takagi <laughs> Ben which one stood out to you from the responses someone said Mojo Jojo which I think is is Mojo Jojo the villain from the Powerpuff Girls yes I mean I'll take Mojo Jojo then I mean, why not I love that <laughs> really really good one was um uh, the androids in Blade Runner, but like then it, that goes into a deeper conversation of like is like in Blade Runner is there really like there's not really a, like a villain in Blade Runner. The system is a villain. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know, it's not like Rooker Howard's character is not really a bad yeah. guy. Yeah, like he's just kind of fighting for his own survival. Mm-hmm. It's a very different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought you would appreciate Ralph Fiennes in Bruges. Someone said that, but how do you, yeah, you see, how, that's an your, interesting one. What, what do you think of that? Uh, well, yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> one. I mean, his character is a clearly terrible human being in the film. I mean, he's a like it was, I don't know if he's like a drug baron or like a crime boss or something like that. But I mean, his reasons for wanting to kill Colin Farrell are fairly <laughs> are fairly nailed on in that regard. But mm. uh, yeah, I don't necessarily know. I don't necessarily know if I could say he was right all along, considering he comes with a lot more baggage. And uh, I mean, last one we also had quite not quite, but we had a few people say Homelander and I'm like no no <laughs> that's a hard no hard, yeah hard um, disagree on that one if you're out there if you're a Homelander stan like just um turn off now yeah turn off now like reassess your <laughs> <laughs> reassess your podcast <laughs> needs reassess because we are not for you because that we're not here for it um cool okay so we will take a short break and we will be back with 2018's Black Panther oh look a message from our sponsor G.I. Jane 2 can't wait to see it yeah, yo hold my poodle What's up? Y'all got a problem? Y'all want some of this? Without much further ado. Here we go again. Cool, we're back. Nice. So <laughs> That's what I pointed yeah, at you. Give That's me, what that give, means. Give me the sign. That's for clarity. So, Sophie hasn't got any headphones I on. I don't have headphones. There's someone you, never, you never bring headphones. I have earphones. Is that the same thing? Yeah, well, anything. Yeah. Okay. Just something so, so you it, can hear what's going on. Okay. But not AirPods. They need to be plugged into the microphone. Oh, yeah. Ah, uh, there yeah, you wireless go. Might I, yeah, be. have wireless. Sorry. Okay, I need to get... Okay. Wired headphones. You're too 20, technical. Too technical. Um, do hands off, apparently. Mm. Literally. You need uh, that. You need that. You need that good. You know, cable. Cable. cable grain. That wire. That retro vibe. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Analog warm. <laughs> That's what someone said to me once in a recording studio. It has really has that. You can really feel the warmth from the desk. The and we're like, no, you can't. Cool. So with uh, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever coming out now, basically, I think it's basically out everywhere, right? Yeah, it came yeah. out last Friday. It came last Friday. Um, it's being released across the world as we speak. We thought it would be a good time to revisit the first Black Panther, which came out in 2018, with 
the late Chadwick Boseman. Um, and yeah, of course, also talk about its ending or endings because it's a Marvel film. So we have three, we have three. final scenes <laughs> to talk Which, about. The new one only has two, apparently. They haven't gone for a, a, a like a post, post-credit scene. They it only is have... the first time they're doing that. So you'll be delighted, Simon. <laughs> if we do see Black Panther 2, there is only post. one post-credit scene rather than two. Huh. It is the first time they're doing that in a Marvel film. They're not doing a the... pre-credit scene. No, they're doing pre-credit scene. Yeah. You mean the the entire film? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you just go to the cinema. No. You go to the cinema, the credits roll, and then you leave. Yeah. <laughs> we know that's why you came here for that. Yeah. So I feel like, honest to God, someone's going to do that at a film festival sometime. They're going to make a two-hour movie and then just you know, play the credits. You know, James Bond that basically has a pre-credit scene because you know the beginning of James Bond films. They're, the, they're uh, like mini films I in think, their own right. I think you'll find mm. some. They're called the Cold Open. What? A cold open. That's I've what never called. heard that term. Yeah. I have no idea. It's called the cold open, Ooh, yeah. Cold open. Well, it's a pre-credit scene. Don't get me started on Bones, Simon! That sounds like a Nolan film in the making, which mm. is going full in reverse. What, cold and open? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for my colonoscopy. No, my colon open a bit. <laughs> Cold Nolan. Nolan. Yeah. <laughs> no. a, a, a we find out how he comes up with all his genius film ideas. <laughs> I'm, I'm a... Sits on the bog for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they say you do your best thinking on the toilet and he just shits out ideas. Obviously. Oh my God. I hope you're not listening. I, I meant. Yes, Christopher Nolan's listening to us talking about him getting a colonoscopy. Never, no. He's a regular listener. He's a regular yeah. listener. <laughs> While he's having his colonoscopy, you know. Does anyone want to take a spin? Because I have a very funny recap from the actual website, from the Marvel website. Go for it. it I, love a, I love a funny Marvel recap. Okay, so you're ready for it? Black Panther, the film, follows T'Challa, who, after the death of his father, the King of Wakanda, returns home to the isolated, technologically advanced African nation to succeed to the throne and take his rightful place as king. But when a powerful old enemy reappears, named Killmonger, T'Challa's readiness to be king, and Black Panther, is tested as he's drawn into formidable conflict that puts the fate of Wakanda and the entire world at risk. Faced with treachery and danger, the young king must rally his allies and release the full power of Black Panther to defeat his foes and secure the safety of his people and their way of life. I thought you said it was funny. It's funny because it doesn't make any. It makes sense, but it's so fluffy. As oh, in like, yeah, it's I mean, just big words. Calling Killmonger an old enemy is if they were like it's it's like it's going to turn out like the Spectre thing, where it's he's his half brother. I mean, I know they're cousins, but it's not that old. Yeah, I think they mean old as in from the past, but it's an yeah. odd way of saying it. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, it makes yeah. it sound like they fought in the past and he's right. back for vengeance. See, yeah, it's badly worded. I mean, like, it's not, yeah. The reason I like this recap, I guess, is because with the new film's focus being Wakanda, right? Like mm. the actual title of the film being Wakanda Forever. So you kind of, it takes away the focus from Black Panther. It would be interesting to talk about the the concept of the nation and how in particular with the first film what it represents like almost analyze and think of Wakanda as an actual country mm, there, mm. because I feel like that's what makes Killmonger so relatable in a way because you talk about racism you talk mm. about oppression which well, is the parallels that are being drawn to our real lives are so clear exactly. yeah oh it's yeah. not trying to yeah it's not trying to like it's not covering it in metaphors and trying to make yeah. it something different. It's really, yeah. it's really directly addressing it, which I think is really good. And it's something I that was, I'd never seen before done in the Hollywood way. I was so surprised by how director Ryan Coogler was able to add so many like social issues 
wrapped mm. under the Marvel like house style at the same well, time it, because you had to adhere to that. And it's and it and it speaks to the fact that like there's a lot there's a lot of talk from like people like Martin Scorsese about how like stuff like like Marvel movies are just like they're they're shit and they're all just like big spectacle. Mm. But actually, like Black Panther is a really good example of that. You can you, like superhero movies can be the foil for something else you know, telling really important stories or different stories and stuff like that. Well, it's like they often tell fables, but then this one seemed to be telling quite a massive truth. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good example of how you can use Marvel's platform to amplify a message that's worth telling. As well as gender. What do you mean? Well, in terms of having strong female characters. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think in the in um, the latest one, it's even more prominent. Like, women kind of take front stage, uh, even more so. But yeah. well, we, we, we haven't seen it, full disclosure. Yeah, I mean, I haven't it. seen it. We haven't seen it yet, so there are no spoilers in this one, don't worry. But, yeah, it's very much... I'm like Letitia, Letitia Wright, like Lupita Nyong'o, Denai yes. Greer, and stuff like that are very much well, I hope they at do the it fore justice. of this one. It sounds yeah. like they have. I mean, I haven't. I haven't seen it yet. I've read. I've. I've read a couple of like one line reviews because I don't want anything like spoiled for me in, in how they do it. Because Are you looking forward to it? <clears throat> um. Yeah, I am looking forward to it. I mean, it, it, in how I can be kind of. I'm, I'm looking forward to it more than I'm looking forward to other Marvel movies because I'm very interested to see how they do. Obviously, like Chadwick Boseman's death is such a huge thing for that because, like. Obviously, there, there's only one Black Panther film, but like his his tenure as Black Panther goes across Captain America: Civil War. It goes across a couple of Avengers films, and it like it was very much his character. Like it's like you couldn't recast it. So I'm mm. interested to see how they go about that. You know how they try and you know deal with that grief as well. Because I've heard, I've heard interviews and stuff like that with you know some of the members of the cast, and like and a big part of the film was like their grieving process as mm-hmm. well from losing someone who they were so close to. And and so, yeah, I am actually, I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in seeing it than I am in some of the other Marvel movies. Cause I actually think it's, there's, there's more much like the first Black Panther, there's more elements to it than just what Marvel are kind of doing at the minute where like they're literally just churning shit out. This film actually has a bit more context to it. And it's a little bit more interesting and rather thought. than just another superhero movie, yeah. you know? I agree. Yeah, that's certainly what struck me. It just it felt like it was a superhero film that held up without the fight scenes and without the masks and the capes and all of the yeah. powers. And I think it helped, I mean, as an ensemble, every actor in that film is cast absolutely perfectly. Mm-hmm. And for, I mean, it's... Uh, wait, wait, apart from Martin Freeman... Yeah, Martin Freeman is a bit of a like, weird one. What what the hell? <laughs> Every time he spoke, it was from a different it region. A, it, it was weird just, American it was accent. Mad. Like I think Martin Freeman's a wonderful actor, but why would you cast a British guy? Well, because Benedict yeah, Cumberbatch had just been cast as Doctor Strange. Dude, so. what, yeah, but why yeah. not just get an American guy to play? I just I just I really struggled with English his people accent. can play Americans too, Simon. Yeah. <laughs> They can, but I, I just didn't enjoy him really forcing that. It's a str- that is a strange. Yeah. No, that is it was a, that, a strange actor. That is a, it is a strange casting, but I still think Martin Freeman is good enough that I think he I think he works in mm. it. But like the the chemistry between Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan. Oh yeah, and this is. I mean, we we talked a little bit about Killmonger. Like, there's a, you always get lists of like the best, Mar- like the best Marvel villains rated from top to bottom, and Thanos is always number one. I would put Killmonger as number one purely because Michael B. Jordan's as that character is so good, 
And is so like what we talked about is is like there's a lot more nuance to him than I'm a genocidal maniac who wants mm-hmm. to wipe out half the universe. Like there's a lot like there's so much more depth than just your average villain who, you know, we get background stories for that we just don't need. We don't really care about it. It feels like the same one hashed over and over again. His is a is a much different one. Yeah. Definitely. And his his performance is like that. It's not the final like Killmonger's final scene with the sunset over Wakanda and him and uh, Chadwick Boseman standing there and he you know he's like you know we can like he says to him like as as all heroes do in this scenario oh we can save you like blah 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 and his thing is what what so I can spend the rest of my life in a prison like I'd rather he I think he says I'd rather die a free man than spend the rest of my life in a prison. Mm-hmm. And then just pulls, he pulls the knife out and mm-hmm. that's it. He's he, like, he's, you know, he kills himself there and then. It, it's just, it's brilliant. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know, you know, superhero movies don't win Oscars and maybe it's not necessary. It's it's the closest I think you get to like Oscar worthy performances in a Marvel movie. It was best picture at the time. Yeah, yeah, no, it was. Yeah, that is true. It gave me a similar feeling after watching it that I got from watching The Book of Mormon. Huh. In that it gave me faith in humanity that this is getting made. Because sometimes with all the yeah. politics going on around the world, I just feel like we're going backwards. And this film just made me think, God, there's, you know, the fact that this can be so big and mm-hmm. resonate around the world so much just give, gives me faith in us as a world. Mm-hmm. When really, it feels like yeah. the type of politics that we're seeing like emerge, like populism and things, with a lot of humans generally becoming more tribal and more protectionist mm-hmm. and so on. This just felt like a step in the right direction mm-hmm, to me. Mm-hmm. Similar to Get Out, it was it's it's been probably one of the biggest cultural uh, phenomena, like in cinema, like mm. Black Panther, along with Get Out. Uh, so definitely, yeah, and definitely. it's the first superhero film I think I've ever properly enjoyed. Nice, interesting, good. Yeah. So um, I want to give you guys the background story of the film's actual final scene, so we can get into the ending. Mm-hmm. That's a bit of a fun fact. So the original Black Panther ending was um, the scene in which T'Challa addresses the United Nations. Basically, that was the original ending. So it wasn't in the post-credit scene. It was the United Nations scene. But prior to that scene, you had Killmonger's death, Mm -hmm. you Ben talked about, where you had uh, Killmonger looking out on Wakanda. And his final line was, it's beautiful, but what are you going to do for everybody in the world who can't see this? Yeah. So the line of dialogue leading into the United Nations scene was quote-unquote problematic for a few reasons, according to the co-editor of the film, Michael Sover, who basically said, we realize that just as a character for the journey of Titala, he can't get the answer to the movie and what he needs to do from the villain. So basically, that's what was happening. So that line, uh, like the final scene of uh, Killmonger, like it's beautiful, but what are you going to do for everybody in the world who can't see this? It was like serving the serving the final scene coming from the villain, and for them that didn't work. They wanted Titala to come to that realization on his own, which is why they add the Oakland scene. That it makes sense because it make sense. It, it, rather than rather than him him like pointedly saying it to him, it gives it it, it yeah. does it closes T'Challa's book there. Yeah, a exactly. Little, in a in a bit more of a like less kind of in your face way because yeah. this is the this is the thing that he's he's trying to learn over the course of the film. Exactly, and I feel like he already gets a lot from Killmonger. Like I feel like he wouldn't be able to come to the United Nations decision if it weren't for you know his interaction, what happened with Killmonger in the first place. Mm. So 
for him to even give him the hey do something man like it mm. was very like prescriptive it felt like in the, a way the, the the Oakland scene was almost like T'Challa acting out Killmonger's dream, but in a much more mature, much more nuanced, yeah, yeah. clever, yeah. Um, thoughtful, like yeah. less violent way, yeah. basically. So that's where it gets interesting. So Ryan Coogler decided to use reshoots to reshape the end of the movie, and he moved the United Nations sequence to the first post-credit scene. But okay, what I love about this is that the the editor and Coogler needed some inspiration as to find that new ending, which ended up being the Oakland scene. Mm-hmm. So uh, Sober said, one thing that we did was looking at all those top 10 lists of best endings ever for movies. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we found Amazing. in a lot of these videos. That's he, so honest. Yeah, that was so honest. I love that. So he, he said, we found in a lot of these videos, it was one of two things. It was either the twist ending or it was the Godfather. By the way, I'm about to spoil the Godfather ending for people. So if you haven't watched it, please skip um, the next 30 seconds. <laughs> so basically, like you've seen the Godfather, right? So basically the first time you meet Michael, uh, he's with Kay and he's telling her he's not like his family. And then in the last scene, we see him, he's telling Kay the exact, the exact same thing. Do you remember that? Mm. Yeah. But then he walks. He don't remember. Can't that. remember it. You can't remember that. But then he walks and the door shuts. But we know this is a whole different thing and things have changed. But it's basically the same conversation. So what Shover is talking about is that they love the circular nature and why those kinds of endings feel like closure. Like basically starting and ending the film with the same scene. And you remember the very first scene in Black Panther is... Um, is in Oakland, yeah. St- yeah, Sterling K. Brown's character, uh, Titalas, not Titalas, the king Tichaka's of Wakanda's brother. brother. Um, so they used the Godfather as the blueprint to kind of get inspired about that circular way of telling the cool. story. So, yeah, he brought the film back to Oakland, kind of honoring that 360 nature of the Godfather. And, the, and the, cool. what was particularly circular about it was the little kid as this as the yeah, ship lands exactly yeah, because, like the new generation. Because, and it goes back to that killmonger watching the ship exactly. fly away yeah. as a child yeah exactly. and he's, he's the next yeah. generation yeah. yeah because i guess this is this is in a very marvel way like that's the this similar scenes with that child's now path becomes rather than killmongers it becomes something different mm. rather than mirroring the actions of his father and very much keeping like wakanda as a secret and keeping it as something that it you know that protects Wakanda, bringing it to the world, because that's what his, mm-hmm. that's what T'Chaka is doing mm-hmm. in the first scene, you know, getting the vibranium back, mm-hmm. because this is something that is, you know, specific to Wakanda and it can't be out there and, you know, they need to keep it a secret. T'Challa is going against that and he's, he's, he's making that, you know, that boy who could, who could have become Killmonger, you know, yes. in a different way, exactly. become someone yeah. completely different. Yeah. So it's almost like uh, Kugler is honoring, you know, Killmonger's, you know, scrap line without actually, you know, him saying it. Yeah. It makes it smarter. There's yeah. some great morals in that film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it and about thinking long term as well, about how your actions now are going to mm. affect futures to come. Yeah. Mm. That's a great message. Mm. It's a compound effect, you know. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do love how they just literally Google top 10 Yeah, endings. that's fantastic. <laughs> but because you're right, it is honest. And I feel like more filmmakers do that than they would actually admit. Like when you're stuck and you're trying to find the perfect ending, you might go to IMDb top 10. <laughs> yeah, because like... the whole vibe of the whole movie is just feels really honest. Like everyone's just seems to be having a great time. Yeah. It seems to be like great chemistry. Nothing seems to be that forced. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. 
Oh, exactly, mm. exactly, exactly. That's it. There's no, there's no, yeah, there's no element of like trying too hard in it. Everything just feels really natural mm. about the entire film. Mm. And I really enjoyed Forrest Whitaker's performance. Yeah, his Forrest usual understatedness. She's really good, yeah. I think Chadwick Boseman and Letitia Wright's chemistry, relationship yeah. and chemistry as like a brother and sister is so believable. Mm. And is just like, which is the why banter. I'm really interested. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the banter that you just get between one like, of those shoes. Or yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the thing with the, his his ceremonial sandals. Is it just it, it reminded me of the relationship between OJ and uh, what was that? Kiki Palmer's oh, character. In, you know, yeah, you know nope. how we really like the the relationship, like sister yeah. and. The brother more kind of like stoic, so serious older brother, and then the the kind of more lighthearted, yeah, funny just younger really sister, honest. Which is why I'm really interested to see in 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 Wakanda Forever because mm-hmm. it's there's going to be a like her character is going to have to have a lot of growth here, yeah, mm. because she can be so funny and so comical because he is that kind of serious figurehead who can who who you like you know the weight of a whole country is on his shoulders and he can mm-hmm. carry that. And she can have that like experimental, the kind of genius scientist thing. It'll be really interesting to see how, I mean, maybe they won't do it in this mm-hmm. way, but like her development now in the second film mm-hmm. without him there, without that kind of other person to play off. You know, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily like a, they need one another, but like maybe they do. But just how that character kind of develops and, and, and what her performance will be like. Do we think it's going to be Black Panther? I mean that's a debate, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that's. I mean the footage looks like it's her, but it's her, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's it's hard to know. And and that felt like the kind of logical next step after they did in like Avengers and stuff like that when they made her or in Infinity War and Endgame when they made her a bit more of the all action and gave uh-huh. her some fight scenes and stuff. But it, I I don't know. It could be it could be anything. I don't. I actually don't, I, weirdly I don't want to speculate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to try. I I kind of want to be surprised rather yeah. than try and overthink it when I actually see it yeah. for the first time. I agree. How long is it? Oh, long, I don't long, know, Simon. Long, it could be a long one. Unfortunately, long, let me yeah, find long. out. You know. But what I do know is that so far it's the biggest. It has the biggest November opening ever. So it's doing really really, really? well. The biggest it November made, the twenty. Third and a half. No, no, opening. like ever, ever. It made. It has made over three hundred million Ooh, already opening weekend. Simon, it's two three hours. Hour, it's two hours forty. Forty. Yeah. Yeah, but forty is with the credits. It's more like two thirty. That is true. Yeah. So two thirty. If you're gonna wait for the end, if you're not gonna wait for the end credit scene, but you don't have but to because I there is one. I forgot. I forgot about the end credit scene. That's okay. Yeah. It's. If yeah. you'd been there when I was watching it, I would have watched. If it. I had made, if yeah. I'd been there and made you stay in the cinema, do you think? The Love film holds up without the post credit scene. For me, the film ends after the first post credit scene. I couldn't care less about the second post credit scene. Wait, what's scene. the second one? The, so the, the second one is the second one is a more of a uh, like Marvel like setting up other films when it's not necessary. Yeah, you wouldn't care, but yeah. I think you would really appreciate you would really like the United Nations one. So basically there are I, two post credit scenes. Having said that though, I do I still think the film stands up without it. Oh yeah, of course. It does. It does. But yeah, it does. I also think Black Panther is a is a Marvel film that I think you can also watch in isolation. Oh, 100%. You don't need to have seen, like it's brilliant because you don't need to have seen anything mm-hmm. else. You don't need to know any other lore. And at the same time, it's, it can be a very good entry film into the MCU. Definitely. I feel like, yeah. And I really appreciate the fact that there's no moments in it where they wheel on like Patrick Stewart in a wheelchair. Yeah. Like doing a cameo or whatever for no reason. Like there was none of that guff. Fan service wasn't, yeah. Like Marvel fan service wasn't there. 
Okay, so very quickly on the post-credit scene, I feel like the first one, it's my favorite. So the first post-credit scene, we have Titala, Okoye, and Nakia. They visit the United Nations. And basically, Titala tells the world that, hey, we're no longer going to be in the shadows. We're going to share our tech technological wealth with you. Mm. Um, and he also says he no longer wants Wakanda to be an isolationist country. But before the scene concludes, you have, yeah, you, Ben, you mentioned that before. Yeah, you just, recording. I think it's, you have some like, I don't necessarily you know if you know what guess, nation I'm they're sure. from. It's like yeah. someone who's like, yeah, a diplomat or something like that on the UN council who stands up and says like, well, what can Wakanda, like what can Wakanda bring to the world? And then the final shot is literally just like Chadwick Boseman has this like, like a little grin and then it cuts that's it and it cuts and you just know that like the next thing that's going to happen is is almost like a snap of the fingers and he become like the he becomes the armor and it's this amazing show of technology but you don't need to see that because no you know great actors can do that of like all you have to do is you see his facial expression you know exactly what's going to happen next you can you can make it up in your own head what's going to happen next because he just has that little kind of you know, twinkle. Yeah, like charisma. Yeah, like Chadwick mm. Boseman had this incredible charisma mm. that, yeah, just like permeates mm-hmm. through that scene. Uh, I'm going to play a snippet of the monologue just so you can get a... Okay. Yeah. Wakanda will no longer watch from the shadows. We cannot. We must not. We will work to be an example of how we as brothers and sisters on this earth should treat each other. Now more than ever. I love this. The illusions of division threaten our very existence. We all know the truth. More connects us than separates us. But in times of crisis, the wise build bridges, while the foolish build barriers. We must find a way to look after one another as if we were one singer. Tribe. With all due respect, King T'Challa, what can a nation of farmers have to offer the rest of the world? So funny, have their faces like, yeah, hold my beer. Yeah, literally hold my beer. <laughs> fuck shit up. Vibranium, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Drops the mic, kisses Drops the, the fingers mic. and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> happening um youtube for you that's for youtube for you um, this is very wholesome the whole thing's very, very wholesome it's very yeah. very wholesome and you know i the reason i love this piece in particular is because he's a young king and he signifies growth and innovation and hope and all of that and up until that point you had the more conservative way of protecting your own country i mean that was the wakandan monarchy or however you want to call well, it which was basically them being active bystanders that's to whatever this whole was thing happening. of well well the hit uh, yeah killmongers the, he he very like eloquently puts kind of almost killmongers ideology is wise men build bridges fools build barriers yep that's like that's like it, in, a, in a nutshell that is kind of it, it or, or in a more educated and more, as you said, something like a more grown up kind of more thought through ideology. That's kind of almost Killmonger's point mm-hmm. is that we need to build a bridge between Wakanda and the real world rather than putting a barrier around it to help. And as he says, you know, you know, more separates us than divides us and, and, and to come together. Weirdly, you know, for a film that came out in 2018, you know, the idea of more important it never been a more important time to come together when you look at like the american political landscape in 2018 and the way you know that country was 
when that film was being made and when that film came out, that's a still is an incredibly important message. Mm. It made me think back to when Stan Lee created that character. Yeah. What he was thinking in like the 60s. Yeah. What inspired it? I'd love to know the background. Yeah. I, I think going back to Killmonger, the... Actually, can I make one comment oh, yeah, about Killmonger? Course, yeah, yeah. So you know when, just to so the pre-final scene, when they're watching the sunset and mm. Killmonger pulls the spear out of himself and mm-hmm. basically goes, I'd rather just die now than get put in prison. Yeah. I did think cynically, if he revives mm-hmm. Killmonger now, he's going to be a fucking pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, it's a really nice way for him to go. Just let, you know, and I, could, Leave I was like, him, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just don't let even you know, Don't even go there because it's going <laughs> to yeah. be a... Big ball ache if he this yeah, guy imagine lives. if the post post credit scene <laughs> yeah. is him just waking up and being like, oh for yeah. fuck's oh, sake. And Killmonger pipes up with a load of vibranium weaponry <laughs> and it starts yeah. blazing around like LA or something. <laughs> him yeah. and Andy Circus just riding <laughs> riding around LA, yeah. Yeah. Oh, with his arm cannon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that ruddy arm cannon. <laughs> yeah. yeah Andy, comes out of nowhere. Andy Serkis and his bizarre South African accent. That, that, was, yeah. that was slightly weird, but not as weird as Martin. <laughs> I think it's less weird because Andy Serkis where he does weird stuff and you kind Listen, of know he's been yeah. go- The guy's yeah. been Gollum, he's been Caesar, the man can he do He pulls the weird, awkward thing off. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah very well. I think going back to the community segment, because... It's a real good question, like, is Killmonger a villain or not? Because I feel like his his very own existence is kind of, like, the valid point of his argument. Like, what he's been through, like, he's experienced depression in, you know, Oakland. Like, he's kind of, he had his, like, he has experienced, you know, racism first, like, like from the, what's the phrase? Like, firsthand, basically. But... I feel like when things get quite, you know, weird. He, he's and more an eye for an eye, isn't he? An eye for an eye he's kind an eye of for an, dude. Yeah. Whereas T'Challa's more like, I'm going to look to the future and see will these actions benefit my nation in 50 years' time? Yeah, and I think he's yeah. using. Whereas Killmonger's like, fucking fuck this, let's get on yeah, with it. Yeah, he's now. using the idea of imperialism in a way to make his argument. You have T'Challa, who's more of the diplomatic and peaceful side of things, where, well, how can we find the middle ground? And I think that's where Nakia's, like Lubita Nyongos, uh, um, character is incredible at kind of being the, like setting the middle ground between Killmonger's rhetoric, as in we need to be able to, like, take our power and do something useful with it and like helpful with it. And then Titala's like more, I don't say passive, but like let's make sure we put it to good use in a way. So I really loved how she's been like, yeah, she kind of, uh, she wasn't just his spy. She was Mm. his kind of moral compass in a way throughout the film. So I really love your character throughout. Should we quickly talk about the final, the final, final, final scene? (laughs) Uh, Bucky Barnes, who was the winter soldier. Who in in a in a nutshell, the Winter Soldier is a character who was a soldier in the Second World War, who basically is the kind of foil for Captain America. So Captain America was the hero of America, and basically the Winter Soldier was taken by I think it's you know by Russia and basically brainwashed into this uh, kind of super soldier assassin who you know became many different things. And in Captain America Civil War, he's framed for the murder of. Uh, T'Challa's father and basically the final scene is that we see you know we don't really know at the end of Civil War 
we don't really know what's happened to the Winter Soldier. There's been a lot of conflict between him and Captain America and uh, Iron Man, and it's created this big divide. Like, Civil War is a great film because Civil War, like, splits the Marvel Universe in half. It's one of the first times that they act, rather than having, like, a villain, the conflict is between the heroes. It's not, like, we're going to introduce a villain here. It's like the... Com- there is a villain in it, but, like, the, the main, co- the main like, source of the conflict is between Captain America and Iron Man. That's really well done. But we don't know what has happened to... Sergeant Barnes or the Winter Soldier as he's called but we see him now in Wakanda no arm which is quite an important thing because he has one like robotic bionic arm which he's kind of laid Mm -hmm. down and this is supposedly almost like a symbol of him kind of turning away from that like the the bionic arm was a symbol of him as the Winter Soldier even in the in in it it has like a red star on the arm and so he's laid that down and he's kind of, he's living like almost like by the land in Wakanda now, you know, he's mm-hmm. gone back to a very simple life, but it ends with Shuri going and basically saying, we need you to come back to the real world, which is, again, sets up a lot more, you know, things going forward. It is quite a nice ending scene, especially if you've mm-hmm. seen Civil War and if you put those kind of two movies together and knowing the importance of the fact that you know, everything that happens between T'Challa and that character, you know, with thinking for the good part of a film that he murdered his father and, you know, um, and that kind of resolution towards the end. And that then sets up, um, pretty much sets up like that character, the Winter Soldier's part in Infinity War and yeah. Endgame, the two kind of key Marvel movies towards the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which came out a few months later. So it was like the perfect... Post-credit scene, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. One of those like Marvel. It was one of those ones that it basically was just like, we can't just have this character turn up in Infinity War. So let's, let's at least give you a bit of background of to where he has kind of been and what he's doing. So at least you have a little bit of that, you know, when Mm -hmm. you get there more so rather than just like the Doctor Strange one. Where's the guy punching himself in the face and then eventually he stops? Um, yeah, it you know, was definitely more, yeah. Bruce Campbell punching himself in the face. It was back when those post-credit scenes had a little bit more meaning of we're, we're actually going to use these mm. to now throw forwards to the next film. And that one definitely does that, I thought. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Great film. Fantastic. Film. Loved it. V- very glad we rewatched it. I'm um, really glad we've redeemed Marvel for you, Simon. I feel like yeah, we've, exactly. in, in a way, yes. redeemed it for you that we've shown you that they're not all that bad. Uh, excited to see Black Panther 2. Yes. And we're going to so. yeah, share a review in the next episode, hopefully. We're going to, yeah, I'm planning to watch it this weekend. So it'll be good. Cool. So next, in the next episode, we're going to come back with a David Fincher classic in a world where billionaires are, you know, challenging our democracy. We thought it would be good to talk about the social network with, what's his face? Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. And, and Justin uh, Timberlake. <laughs> Justin Timberlake. Army Hammer. Army Hammer. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. I forgot about and, him. Um, the, uh, and uh, Spider-Man. Andrew, Andrew Garfield. Garfield. Yeah. yeah. It's perfect cast. Fantastic cast. Fantastic cast. Apart, and, uh, from, and, apart uh, from Army Hammer. Raise yeah, the sharp yeah. script. Yes. An incredible score. Yeah. Yeah. So we can't wait for that. Razor sharp, I get it. Trent Reznor. Actually, I wasn't even being that clever. We were a bit slow. Tenuous link, but We are a bit slow, but we got it. Amazing, cool. As always, you know what to do. Subscribe if you haven't already and rate us on the Apple Store uh, or or Spotify, actually. You can do that now. Um, Yeah, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Oh, look, a message from our sponsor. Did you like it? Did you like that? Did I like it? I loved it. 
I had no idea you could milk a cat. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Good morning! Morning! Good morning! Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs>